Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And on today's episode, I have with me Donna Nicholson-Steve. She is the Director of Stewardship at LCBC, that's Lives Changed by Christ Church in Pennsylvania. She joined the LCBC team after 21 years as an Executive Director and Chief Compliance Officer in the professional credit and collection industry. Donna enjoys volunteering in high school student ministry, leading grief share, and serves on the board of directors for Bible to School, a nonprofit organization that teaches a biblical curriculum to public school kids. So as you can tell, she's very busy, but she also serves on the board of directors at the Christian Stewardship Network, for which I am personally very grateful. Donna, welcome to Stewardship Leader. Hey, Leo, thank you so much. It's really great to be here with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is such a pleasure to get to know a little bit more about your story, and hopefully that will bless and also minister to some of our folks that are listening today. So let's start with what is your personal stewardship story? Yeah, so I I was raised in the church, as many of us were. Um, I witnessed my parents tithing, although I really didn't know what that was. I just knew that they uh, put a check you know, the old-fashioned checks on paper in the basket on uh, on Sundays. And so that's where I first had my introduction that we support the church. Um, it wasn't until much later in my life that I realized that I, I also need to do that. And so I was introduced to the concept of tithing I at, at, at church. I believed in it, um, but I didn't really quite get it. So Leo, in the Stewardship Impact Workshop, you teach on those four quadrants. There's the self-absorbed owner, the obligated owner, the obedient owner, and the love-inspired steward. Mm. I I am now, thanks to the work that God's done in my heart, I am now the love-inspired steward. But for a long time, I was the obedient owner. I, I wanted to obey God, and I wanted to tithe because I felt that that was being obedient, but I really looked at it as I'm giving God 10% of, of what belongs to him, but the rest is mine. And as long as I do that, I'm obeying God. And I, I really believe that in my heart that I was just uh, being a good steward, but really I was an obedient owner. And I didn't really quite understand that, no, God owns all of it. And he gives us his part. He gives us his 10%, but he wants us to slide it back to him in trust, in worship, in reverence, and in obedience to him. And by the way, he also owns the other 90%. And to live open-handedly with that 
ready to respond to him when he calls you to step out um, in generosity, whether that generosity was planned or unplanned. And so raised in the church, understood it, learned more as I as I as an adult went to church and learned more about what it meant to obey God. And then really it was later in my life that I really just try to live open-handedly, prayerfully, um, asking God to identify those things in my heart that want to hang on and, and uh, to help me work through that too. So it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah, it's, it's so true. I mean, you indicated this uh, step of faith that you took in a tithe and really learning what it really is, that it's not just giving God a portion, but it's actually giving God 100%. So tell me how that played itself out when you began to look at a full ministry role in the area of stewardship, which is what you do today. Tell us about that transition. How did God lead you not only to understand stewardship, but eventually to start serving in it and start teaching others how to do the same? Yes. So I uh, so I was working in the professional credit and collection industry. I was had been there for 21 years. I never thought I would leave. Um, you just get ingrained in, into it. And I just didn't see myself leaving, especially I think at the age, I, I think I was 49 at the time um, when, I, when I actually did leave. But I got an email from one of the leaders at our church saying that they want to begin a full-time stewardship ministry and they're looking for a full-time stewardship director and wanted to know if I would be interested in learning more about that. And I thought, well, Stewardship is my middle name. I love stewardship. I, um, I, I latched on to the understanding of honoring God with my finances at an early age, even as a single parent. For, for a couple of years there, I was a single parent to two boys. And even my friends were like, you're tithing? And I'm like, yes, I am tithing. Um, and, and so we've had many conversations about what that looks like. And then later I, I latched on to FPU, Financial Peace University, and was a volunteer with our church and just was ingrained in the whole thing uh, regarding money and stewardship and trusting and honoring God. And so when I got that email, we had had some a, a very tragic event happen in, in my life. And at the same time is when the church was courting me to see if I was interested. And uh, it was just the right time to make that switch. And so I, I wake up thinking about stewardship. I wake up just thinking about it. And I, I love it. It's I, I couldn't be more happy being in this role here at LCBC. Yeah, I've seen you uh, from the beginning, I think, when you first uh, were looking at this position and eventually took it. Uh, I had an opportunity to connect with you with another one of my uh, friends here in the Dallas area and kind of talk with you about this new role that you were taking on. And I was so impressed with just your heart uh, because you really understood it on a deep level. And that kind of leads me to maybe doing a better job of defining what stewardship is for those that are listening, perhaps for the first time. So for us, stewardship is not just giving. A lot of times stewardship is misunderstood in the church or just misinterpreted as if it's something to do with fundraising or or just giving. And stewardship is more than that. Stewardship is about managing everything that God's put into your hands, whether that's money, whether it's your gifting, your talents. Uh, so it's time, talent, and treasure. So stewardship to us 
is holistic because it's part of every part of our lives. So just just wanted to define that so that if you're listening to this and we're using stewardship a lot, I want to make sure you understand what we're talking about. So Donna, based on what you just shared, the fact that you came into ministry um, and everything that has to do with running a ministry like this and the challenges and, the, the of course, the triumphs as well, what is the most challenging part of serving in this ministry? Yeah. And so before I answer that, Leo, um, just to add on to what you just said about stewardship, one of my favorite uh, ways to say it is stewardship is literally the Christian way of living your life. Mm. We are, it is the Christian way of life. We are and always will be the steward of all, all that God has given, all that God has allowed into our life, our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tragedies. We, we steward all that he has given and all that he has allowed in a way that honors him. And so I like to phrase it that way, that it's the Christian way of living life. We will never be the owner. We're never the owner. But, the, but that is good news because God has entrusted us. You don't, if you have something of great value, you don't just pick any random person to uh, manage it for you. You want somebody that you can trust. And so it's an honor and a privilege that God is the owner and that we are the steward and that he has entrusted us. So stewardship is the Christian way of living life. And um, I would say that in the ministry, in the church, um, for and I'll speak for, for me me personally, I, I know that there's prob- probably a plethora of challenges that many in the stewardship ministry could point to. Um, one of the things that we do here at LCBC is we create products and processes and training and things of that nature for our campuses. And what's unique about that, I think, is we do not prescribe or make our campuses do do anything that I put out. Anything that I make available um, to our campuses to use, to teach stewardship, to impact stewardship, um, to help their congregation understand, they don't have to do it. So my challenge is to create processes and products that are, are so good that they'd be crazy not to. Why would you not use this? So I have to really step it up and make sure that I'm providing them and serving our campuses, which are really my first customers, my, is our campus. They are my first customer. I wanna make sure I'm giving them great tools, great information, great products, processes, and training so that they can impact their campus. And so that is really one of one of the challenging parts of in the ministry is if I do not create a product that that reaches that high level, they might not want it. And I might think it's great. I might think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but if they if they're looking at it like no, I, this isn't worth my time, this isn't worth my energy, I've got to go back to the drawing board and make it worth their time and worth their energy. So that, that's one of my personal challenges in serving in the role of ministry. Mm, that's, that's good. When you're serving in a large church like yours, I think you have 18 campuses, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think we're at 19 now, but yeah. Wow, okay, 19. That's a lot. 
what I was going to say is, as, as far as a large church with multi-campuses, is that when you're trying to impact a church that's sometimes from different areas, different uh, socioeconomic, I mean, when you spread out that way, it, that message of stewardship can impact folks a little bit differently. You have to be aware of that. How do you educate them? How do you equip them with this topic? How do you disciple them, really, is a better way to say it. And when you do that, it has to be in a way that makes sense, especially for those that are leading that particular campus. Now, I do believe that no matter what size church you are, maybe you are in a church of 100, this also applies, because ultimately what you're trying to do is cultivate a culture of generosity and stewardship, and whether that's in one campus or multiple campuses. But what Donna shared is so crucial because we need to understand what people need rather than just tell them what they need. And if we help them to understand what they need or give them options to understand this, then they can choose whatever best fits them. But also, of course, we need to listen. We need to listen as to what works, what's not working, and then be able to serve them the best that we can. So I love that you've taken a challenging situation, such as multi-campus ministry, and trying to find a way to influence rather than just direct and tell them what they should use, which you're right, it doesn't work. Uh, it never works. Right. Um, you, you said something um, that, that just triggered my memory. Yes, we have 19 campuses. Collectively, it's a very large, uh, one of the largest churches, but but really, some of our campuses are very small and they're spread out and so some are in very affluent areas some are in areas that are a little bit more um, struggling uh, economically um, and and so collectively yes we're large but really you know many of our campuses are you know there's large medium and small and so I will tell you this I was speaking with one of our campus pastors and he's in one of those areas that's just a, a little bit more um, economically depressed mm -hmm. I, i'm struggling to find a, a better word for it but um i'm excited for them i'm more excited for that church than i am for one that's really affluent and you know bringing in you know lots of money because i i think about the church of macedonia all the time i just i it's rising up to be one of my favorite passages and the three, the three churches of Macedonia, I think it was uh, Berea, Philippi, and Thessalonica, they were oppressed, they were suffering abject poverty, and they were suffering some uh, affliction. I'm not quite sure what was going on at the time, but um, they definitely weren't set up in, in a way to, um, the way we, we would think about being a generous church, and yet they were the most generous church. Paul used them as an example to the churches that were wealthier. But what I love about the churches of, of Macedonia is it says in that passage, I wish I had it in front of me, it said in that, those passages that, and that generosity overflowed. They, were, they gave unto the Lord first and then to each other, and the Lord grew their numbers and brought more that were being saved into the fold of their church. And it's just such a beautiful example. It really, it's really pretty cool when you see a church that might have less, less stuff, less things, less money, really could be the church that's the most generous. Because generosity in a church isn't measured by the dollar amount that's given. Our main 
flagship campus is always going to be the one that brings in the most dollars. Does that mean it's the most generous? Well, we, we'd have to dig into the numbers a little deeper to, to find that out. Really, the campus that's the smallest, that's in a region that might not be as affluent, has every bit of the ability to become the most generous church um, than the one that's in the more affluent area. And I, lo I love that. And so it's encouraging to our campus staff if they're in different regions and they might think, oh, we're never going to be like the Mannheim campus or we're never going to be like the Ephrata campus. It's like, no, 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 no. You really have potential to be the most generous campus out of all of them. It's not a measurement of dollars. It's how many people have you led to live open-handedly, that to trust and worship and revere God with all he has given them. And so it's exciting that generosity really levels the playing field because it's not about the dollars. It's about the hearts of each in individual person. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it. But I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners. And frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by SecureGive. What can your ministry accomplish when it's fully funded? SecureGive helps churches close the gap between vision and funding so you can reach more people, grow more disciples, and meet more needs. By leveraging our comprehensive software system, growth strategy, and stewardship resources, your church can cut costs, increase overall giving, and cultivate a culture of generosity for long-term growth. Want to connect? Send us an email at grow at securegive.com or visit our website at securegive.com. Yeah, that's so good. What you just shared is so important. We in the Western cultures tend to think that generosity means we give money and we give a certain amount. And when we hear of a large gift, we think that's generous. But it may not be, right? Someone that is a multimillionaire writes a thirty, fifty $50,000 check well, that's nothing to them. You know, they're not going to miss it. Uh, it's not going to make a, much of a difference in their lives. But yet someone who gives 10000 when they maybe make 30000 a year, that's significant. But again, it's not about the dollar amount. It's what kind of sacrifice you're making. And are you doing it in a way that honors God? You're not doing it for the wrong reason. You're not doing it to draw attention to yourself. In fact, we all know the story of the widow's mite, that she gave two small copper coins which Jesus said that she gave everything, her whole livelihood. So she gave everything away, not knowing what she's going to eat tomorrow or later that day. That's extravagant generosity. And it's hard to know what's generous. And you're right. It doesn't matter what socioeconomically where you are. The gift that you give, it can be extremely generous, and it has nothing to do with the, what the dollar amount is. You know, one of the questions that in our, as we mature in stewardship and generosity and understanding God's word, we tend to ask the question, how much should I give? It's a whole entirely different question to ask, how much do I even need to keep? 
Mm. That, that's a totally different question. That's really when you are so kingdom focused. You're so focused on the eternal and not the temporary of, of earth. Like I said, it's a journey. We'll, we'll be on a, a journey of, of learning and growing in our faith until the day we meet Christ face to face. But I, I'm getting to the point where I can really authentically say, I'm asking how much do I even need to keep? I've asked that question before. I don't know if I'm quite living that out yet, but I am living open-handedly to God and ready, ready to, you know, we, we tithe and we, and we give, you know, tithing. This is one of the things we teach. Tithing isn't generosity and tithing isn't giving. Tithing is bringing back to God what already belongs to him. And then whatever's above and beyond that is giving and, and could be, could be considered generous. Um, it's really between, you know, you and God. God knows your heart, and that's what he's really, really after. And that's what I love about the rich young ruler. Um, you know, he was not a bad guy. He was a great guy. He was respected. He uh, was a good Jewish man. He was successful. He cared about obeying God's commands, and people looked favorably upon him. But, but Jesus knew his heart, and the interesting thing is, is he was tithing. He was tithing, but he had a little G God, not the real God, a little G God that he, whether knowingly or unknowingly, was worshiping inside of his heart. And so the point is, is that we don't just want to go through the actions. Well, I show up for church. Well, I tithe. Well, I serve. I do this. I do that. God is more concerned with the reason. Why are you doing those things? Is it truly because you recognize that I am your source, I God am your source, and I have given you everything that you have so that you can use it to benefit the kingdom? Or are you doing it to get something, whether it's status or recognition or whatever it is? God knows our hearts. So even when we're tithing and even being generous, you could be an atheist and be generous. So it's really important that our hearts are really in the right place and so asking that question how much uh should i give versus how much do i even need to keep boy that's a really great question to ask god and let him work in your heart on that yeah it's the difference between that love inspired steward or just obedience steward right well donna in regards to the ministry um, that you're obviously serving in and, and trying to train and equip people in this area of stewardship what are you focused on most right now? So right now, we are working on equipping campus staff. So we have 19 campuses. And because of that, the people that attend one of those campuses, they don't know who I am. If they have any type of need for a pastor, yes, our, our campus staff will point people in my direction, but their first point of contact is the local campus staff. And so if somebody has a, an issue, they're not coming to me, they're coming to our, our campus staff as it, as it should go that way. And so we're working on equipping our campus staff on how to see stewardship in the right light, all about the heart. And we're equipping them to be able to answer questions, comments, statements from their congregation 
that will help them to lead them well to whatever their next best step is. So here's an example. The campus pastor is equipped to answer stewardship questions. But is your children's ministry director equipped? Is your worship and arts team, the entire team equipped? Is your student men, your your care teams, your greeters, are they equipped? So let's just say the sermon has something to do with giving. And someone comes out after the gathering, after church, and goes to pick up their kids from the kid area. And that person says to the the children's ministry person, churches just want your money. Is that children's ministry person equipped right then and there in between gatherings to know how to respond well in that moment? The answer is they might be, but we wanna make sure that everyone is equipped. And those conversations happen outside of church. They happen at the Thanksgiving dinner table where you know, Uncle Joe's had four beers already and he's you know cutting in on the church and he's uh, ripping in about money or whatever do you know how to respond with truth love and grace in those moments and so it happens inside and outside of the church and we want to make sure the entire campus staff is equipped to look at it the right way to understand it the right way and then how to respond in a way that is leading and discipling people and so that is what we're working on right now. That's tremendous. I think it's so important to make sure that your staff understands it because if the staff understands it and can talk about it and respond to situations that come up, then it really does tell the rest of the congregation, as far as stewardship is concerned, that you have a belief. And it's not just one person, it's not one department, it's the whole staff. It's a part of the DNA of the church. And if the staff doesn't get it, doesn't matter if somebody like you is there with a megaphone, so to speak, and speaking about stewardship and inviting people to come. If everybody is not in the staff, I mean, if everybody isn't on board, easily be recognized as, oh, this isn't really that important because not everybody talks about it. Not everybody really looks at it the same way. So I think it's so, so crucial for church to have the same values and beliefs, same principles, and stewardship is one of those that I think has to be vital and central to uh, a culture of a church, especially the staff. Yeah, I do too. And I don't have to be, if you're out there and and you're running a stewardship ministry, you don't have to be the Lone Ranger. The people that really should be not only living out core principles as a Christian, but we also want to make sure that they understand it in such a way and that they're aligned with how we understand it. And you can build an army. You can build an army of of people that understand it and can impact the rest of your church. So it doesn't have to be just you. When you equip your team, they need to know it, first of all. And then secondly, how much better do they feel about having a, a conversation with someone or even initiating a conversation? Because we should all, the entire church, uh, the, the entire church staff especially, we should all be not only responsible for helping to disciple others, but it's a, it really is a privilege we've been given. It's our privilege that we get to help people identify what is your next best step. And if their next best step is trusting God with their finances, I want that person to be ready to help lead them 
uh, to do that and to answer their questions and to help them understand. So Donna, uh, what concerns you the most and what excites you the most about stewardship ministry? So Leo, what concerns me about stewardship is also what excites me. And what I mean by that is when you look at historical data on giving, on um, how many households are tithing, for example, that from historically speaking, the needle is not moving in the right direction. And so that concerns me. Back when I was a child, there wasn't a whole ton to give to. If you grew up in the church, you gave to the church. Well, you know, when you look at, let's say, millennials, they're a generous crowd, but they're not giving to church. They're giving to other things that they really believe in. And now there is hundreds of nonprofit entities. Some of them are very, very good to consider giving to and supporting. And church is just one of those options. And back in the day, church wasn't one of those options. It was the only option. Um, And so now when you look at the the direction things are heading, the needle isn't moving in the right direction. And that concerns me, but that also excites me because the harvest is out there. The fields are ripe for harvest. The more people that that don't get it or maybe have never heard it, the stronger and more relevant and more important our stewardship ministry becomes. I love seeing the light bulb go on when talking to people um, that are currently not only not trusting God with their money, but they don't even look at their stuff as as being gods, they look at it as their own. I love to see them on that journey when the light bulb finally goes on and they get it. And so we do not have a lack of the mission field. The mission field is huge and that is very exciting to me. Yeah, that's so well put. I think when you consider not just giving, but really what you said at the beginning of the program, which is that stewardship is really about everything, right? It's it's everything that we do. It, it is the Christian life. And I think when you consider giving and how we manage, it's so important that, that we understand that there's an opportunity out there. The world is always offering a substitute to what's really, truly fulfilling. And that's our relationship with Christ and living for Him. And if we're not drawing attention to people, if we're not helping them to understand God's perspective— and because the world's doing a great job of feeding them all the its cultural beliefs and, of course, the, the need for success and the need for wealth and all of that. But if we don't help them see it through the lens of Scripture, then they're going to be misled to live a life that's less than what God has really died for them to live. And I think that's why stewardship is such an important topic, especially to our culture today, because, yes, giving is that one thing that we get to do that tests the heart and really makes us look and say, do I really believe this or am I just saying I believe this? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. But it also comes down further, like you said, how much do you really need to keep? So when you get there, then you really have understood. And and, and I just believe that the blessings that believers are meant to have are missed out and that their purpose, the things that they're really supposed to do for the kingdom are not going to happen. So they're missing out by not understanding this. But I believe God has called us to such a time as this in order 
to help them to see it, to see a biblical model for stewardship and generosity, and that when they step into that, they're going to see the blessing and the favor of God, and in their own lives, not just what they give. Because giving isn't just about what you do for someone else, it, what it does for you. It changes you. It impacts you. And I think that's even, like, when Jesus said, it is better to give than receive, we've all heard that verse. Mm-hmm. When you really think about it, we want to become like Jesus. We are made in the image of God. God is the creator of giving and generosity. Human beings did not come up with that. We did not come up with that. That is God's creation. And so generosity is already in us. We already, because we have identified with Christ, and we are in the image of God, then generosity is already in us. It's a seed already there. We don't have to make it happen. We need to cultivate it and allow God to grow that in our heart. And that's one of the things that we teach. We are the ones that have a need to give. We probably haven't heard it phrased that way very often, but our need to give far exceeds whatever the need of the recipient of our gift was. Mm. And that is because God is growing our hearts. And when Jesus said it is better to give than it is to receive, he was hitting on that point right there. And that when we give and when we trust and worship and revere, and we have a posture in our heart toward God and of generosity, that is transformative. Giving should not be transactional. It really is an opportunity to be transformed from the inside out. And for those that really get that, it is life-changing and it's life-breathing into our soul. And we just want that for others. And that's why we teach the true heart of God is we want that for everyone else to really see it with eyes wide open the way God does. Yeah, that's so good. Well, Donna, in the last couple of minutes that we have left over, what is the best advice you can give a stewardship leader or stewardship champion? I would say to stay connected with other people in your position. Stay, keep learning and stay connected to your own people. So the Christian Stewardship Network, go to the forum, network and meet other people that are doing what you do. You don't want to do this alone. You don't have to become this isolated silo trying to figure out stewardship on your own. I don't know where I would be right now if I didn't have the influence of you, Leo, of of Chris from Saddleback, um, from Kurt from Grace, just all of my friends at the Stewardship Network. I, I don't know where I would be if I had not rubbed shoulders with you and learned from you and tapped into your wisdom and knowledge. The other thing I would say, in addition to staying connected and and staying educated uh, and learning from others, is if you are in a position where you're fighting an uphill battle, maybe senior leadership doesn't quite get it. And I'm fortunate that I do not have that problem and I recognize that. I recognize how fortunate I am. But I've talked to enough people out there that are trying to influence stewardship but senior leadership isn't sold on it yet. I want to encourage you to keep praying the Holy Spirit move in wisdom 
in the hearts of your senior leadership. Continue to lead up, continue to pound the pavement and get them to the Stewardship Impact Workshop. That is designed for senior leadership and they will guaranteed be pleasantly surprised at how pastoral and how inspiring it is. So I, I just want to encourage you uh, in, in that way. Lastly, I guess I'm speaking to everybody out there. This may sound a little harsh. I hope it doesn't. But when we don't teach about money, when we don't teach about stewardship and that God owns all things and what he's intended us to do with those things, we're playing out of the devil's playbook. He's got a game plan. Satan has a playbook. And Jesus has a playbook. And when we edit out what Jesus talked about most, we're not playing in Jesus's playbook. The devil, Satan, does not want us to teach stewardship. He does not want us to teach generosity or the heart behind it. He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to uh, teach about everything else and, and just you know don't rock the boat and teach about money. Well, that's not God's game plan. That's someone else's game plan. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're afraid, that's okay. Because if Satan isn't attacking you, then you're probably not on the cusp of doing something of relevance for God. So it's okay if Satan's attacking you. Trust God, trust Jesus's word, and go out and be bold. And keep praying the Holy Spirit over your staff and over over your leadership that they would latch on. That's very good. Thank you, Donna, so much about making that focus more on prayer than anything else, because we tend to try to strategize, but prayer is so important. We can't change people's hearts, but God can't. The Holy Spirit can speak in those situations where a pastor or the staff will really hear and then grab onto it. So definitely make this about our prayer and then walk it out, right? Uh, we are examples of what stewardship, uh, a life of stewardship could look like. So I want to just thank so much Donna, for being with us today. Donna, I appreciate you taking the time, sharing your story, sharing some of the challenges that you have in your ministry and how you're running it. And this is very valuable for those that are out there trying to walk the same walk and serve in the same ministry. So thank you for offering your advice and your wisdom. Well, thank you, Leo. It's a pleasure to join you today, and I appreciate you as well and all that you do uh, for the Christian Stewardship Network. Thank you, Donna. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. We so appreciate your time. We hope that you enjoyed it, and I hope that is valuable to you. And if it is, we would love for you to share it with uh, a church leader, perhaps, or your staff if you're at a church, uh, or anyone else that you think would benefit. Don also mentioned that we have these events, the annual forum. This is an event that we do every year, and it is going to be in March of 2023 in Fort Lauderdale. So we look forward to having you join us there. But before that, we have a virtual forum that's coming up in September, September 14th, and this is a one-day virtual forum that you'll be able to join us and something you could do from your office or from your home. And we really hope you'll connect, you'll get to learn from the leaders that are in this space and really understand stewardship more holistically. And last, we have a membership. So if you're a church and are looking for resources on how to do a stewardship ministry, well, we have a membership. It's membership com, and we'd love for you to join us there. This is where leaders are meeting. We have community discussions. We have content. We have some great, great courses that I think will help set a foundation for how to build a stewardship ministry, and we'd love for you to be there 
and for us to connect with you and help you build your ministry. Thank you so much for joining us for Stewardship Leader. We'll see you next time.